Hey, we're so excited that you tuned in and we want to let you know about something exciting happening here at Freedom. Beginning September 17th, we are offering two worship experiences at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Both experiences are identical. We would love to have you join us at one of our experiences. Hope to see you there. So this morning, I'm excited to start uh, part two of this new series entitled Generosity. Generosity, it's a simple, simple topic yet complex parts. And Jesus was very specific when it came to certain things about stewardship. I want to I wanna talk a little bit this morning about the second part in the series. Last week, we spoke about living an open-handed life, an open-handed life, right? We talk about how there's times in our lives we, we kind of hold on to things and we kind of clench ourselves and, and we kind of uh, we don't let God freely use everything that we have. We talked about the three M's that we have in our lives. We have money, we have minutes, and we have materials, right? Those are the three things we have. We have those three things that we can offer to God as part of our offering in our lives. And so I wanted to uh, just let you know here this morning that Jesus warned us about a lot of things, right? He warned us about a lot of things in the Bible. And this morning... I want to jump into one of the warnings that we uh, introduced last week. And, uh, and that is the, the warning about the love of money. And in fact, we learned in, our, in that particular message that Jesus spoke about stewardship and finances in the New Testament. Follow this now. 2,300 and 50 times, three, th- 2,350 verses in the New Testament have to do with stewardship. Just to kind of give you a broad perspective of how Jesus thought that was a hot topic. You know, he talked more about stewardship than he did faith and prayer combined. So if we look at it, we think about, is faith important? How many would agree faith is important? We get that faith is important. And if I was to ask you, raise your hand if you think, uh, you think, you know, prayer is important. I'm like, well, yeah. Should you have to pray about prayer? Right, right? You have to pray about, let me pray about praying. I don't know. You don't have to do that. That's a given. It's a, an act of, uh, you know, faithfulness to God and this walk called the Christian walk, right? But most of us, or many of us, or maybe even some of us, we wrestle with what it means to be generous, what it means to give to God. And so we say, well, let me pray about that. Well, Jesus found it to be a hot topic. And so one of the things that I discussed in my transparency last week, and I kind of echo that here this morning, is that I haven't talked about stewardship and finances enough as a pastor. And I kind of was transparent with that last week. And I, I feel badly about it as I was studying for this series because I realized that I have not given you the opportunity to understand how important it is to be diligent and obedient in that portion of our lives. Does that make sense? And so I kind of, in my own self, went to God and said, God, I'm, forgive me, I repent. As a pastor of this body, not talking about it. Now, part of that is due to the stigmata that churches have. That churches talk about money and all they want is your money. And so we put it in the shadows. We kind of say, Give to God, okay, when you get a chance. 
That's not what scripture says. And so the idea is in some way, shape, or form that that's a, a bad topic. That money is a bad subject. What it is, it is not taboo. You know what it is? It's not talked about enough. And because it's not talked about enough properly, it goes and hides in the shadows because we're afraid to talk about it. So if you would allow me a few moments here this morning, I want us to recognize that not only did Jesus talk about this over 2,000 times and 2,000 verses in the New Testament, but also money is either your master or your servant. Stewardship, and when we talk about this this morning, it's not about raising money. It's about raising Christians who trust in God. It's about raising awareness that you can change the world around you. So I want to bring a message this morning entitled, An Obedient Life. Generosity, an obedient life. One thing I found to be true is that increased giving doesn't mean the church is healthy. You can raise piles and piles of money and people are not getting saved. You can raise piles and piles of money and sit on that money and people are not being discipled. Friends, that is not okay. My mentor told me a long time ago that the church is not a bank. The church is a conduit for God's goodness to bless our community. And that's what we believe from day one at Freedom. That we're not supposed to hoard money. We're supposed to take those resources and disperse them and care for our community, our people, and those around us. And what we notice in the New Testament is that when they gathered together, neither of them lacked anything. Do you look at that in the New Testament? That when they gathered together, neither of them lacked because they shared. Because they realized that they looked out for each other. They were generous. Why? Because they realized how generous God has been with them. When you realize how good God has been to you, it's easy to be generous. I said this before and I'll continue to say it. You can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. And we're not talking about giving. I'm not talking about just finances. I'm talking about generosity in your money, in your minutes, in your material. Right? Generosity goes far beyond that. Just because, look at me. Just because you can get piles of money doesn't mean you're happy. Just because you could raise piles of money doesn't mean that you are doing the right thing. It just means something went your way. But there are, there are questions that I have to ask myself as a pastor. And they go like this. Is the body marked to grow in unity? As a pastor, that concerns me. Are we growing in unity? Another question is, is our church becoming outward focused? Is it us for no more? Then I have to ask myself, are we building disciples? Are we growing people in the faith? Are people walking this thing out, not just coming on Sunday? Are they living it? And that's why we have those life groups every week. That's why we have those opportunities for you to meet in homes. So you can grow and activate your faith. So that it doesn't just come from the pulpit. It trickles into the body and we trickle and we bless each other. Amen. Another question I have to ask myself is, are we honoring God with our giving and our generosity? Those are important aspects. Those are important disciplines. Now we looked at the word disciplines and it's a bad word for some people, right? But would you say that learning how to pray is a, is a bad thing? 
Would you say that learning to believe is a bad thing? No, those are disciplines, right? In the same way, and no different, no more, no less, is generosity part of that. Jesus talked about it, for goodness sake, more than he talked about faith and prayer. He found it to be the, one of the biggest obstacles. It's not money that's the obstacle. It's the love of it. And he knew that that was going to be affecting the generations to generations. Americans hold tightly a lot of things. And the number one, we, we, number one thing we hold on to is our personal finances. I'll talk to you about my life, but don't touch or be concerned about my wallet. That's my business. It's my purse. It's my business. And if you're a male, you have a purse. It's my purse. My business. Don't ask. Just move on. Don't encourage him. Him being me. We hold tight to a lot of things in this life. In America, we hold tight to our finances. It's personal. Don't, don't tell me what I need to do with it. And that's why only 2.5% of Americans give to charity. 2.5% of their finances are given to charity on average in America. So, before we recognize I need to be more generous, we have to recognize that before we were givers, we were receivers from day one. From day one, we have been receivers. God has given us life. He's given us breath. He's given us reason. He's given us hope. Come on, somebody. He's given us purpose. He's given us destiny. He's given us power. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us all these things. Why? So we can change the world. We are conduits. Say that with me. We are conduits. We are people that are used as tools of God to this world. We are extension of his goodness. The apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. Here's what he said. We possess nothing. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? Well, Pastor Tony, I've worked hard for what I have. Absolutely, I don't doubt for a moment that you worked hard for what you have. But who gave you the strength, the breath, the ability, the know-how, and the power to do so? That's what we're addressing today. So we look at it. When we look at 2.5% of Americans give to charity of their income, we look at the tithe, which is the, the first tenth of our overflow, Right? We look at 10% as, wow, that is too much. But you know what I've realized in my life? That is not too much. Because I would rather live on 90%, 80%, 70% of my income and have God's blessing than to live off of the 100 without his blessing. I'm getting a few extra on board. I think I'm getting the point across. I would rather live in his blessing with what would be considered less in the world's eyes than to have everything be mine and me be outside of his favor. Friends, you have no idea what it means to have favor when you need it most. 
Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You had favor in your life. God has blessed you and opened up the heavens wide for you. And we're going to look at a passage in just a moment. Here in the book of Malachi. And depending on what part of the state or part of the country, it might be Malachi. I had an Italian pastor tell me that one time. The book of Malachi, pastor, it's the book of Malachi. I don't know if that was an Italian dessert or something, but I, I got hungry, I'm just saying. Can I unpack something for you that maybe would help you understand a little bit? And, and you see in this passage, it says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. You were under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The word storehouse literally means local gathering. Local gathering. The tithe, which is the first tenth of your increase, that means whatever it is that you make. And we say that first tenth is God's. I'm not giving God anything when I tithe. I'm re-establishing what is his already. Re-gifting, so to speak. Anybody ever given or, oh no, you're not going to admit it. But how many of you knew you were a product of a re-gift? You were like, why is this engraved to Jill and Bob? I want you to understand something. When you tithe and you say, God, this first tenth, I'm not giving you after the government takes. I'm not, I'm giving you first. You deserve the first fruits of my offering. We look at that as a threat. God says, it's not a threat. It's a promise. You faithful to me, watch me bless. Watch me bless. And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Watch this, verse 11. We're going to move forward here in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Rather, this is still the end of verse 10. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out. Anybody want to pour out? So much blessing that there would not be enough room to store it. Now, a lot of people will say amen to that part. But when it comes to bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse, we say ah, 2.5% is good enough. It's not good enough for me. It's just not. I want to be obedient. I want to be faithful. I want to be generous. Can you imagine if a husband asked his wife, honey, have you been faithful to me? And she says, more than half the time I have. More than half the time this year? Absolutely. I say it's above 50%. Wait, time time out. Uh, Wait, say what? More than half. Isn't that good enough? We would think that's absurd, right? It's above 62%, I promise. Wait, where'd you get the two? What are you talking about? It's ridiculous, right? But you know what that means? That leads me to believe this thought here, the next slide, is this. Partial faithfulness is complete unfaithfulness. In other words, partial obedience is disobedience. And so what we want to do is we want to build people of character. Most people say, yes. We want to build people of prayer. Yes. We want to build people of faith. Yes. We want to build people that are generous. Hold up. Wait a minute. You want to do what? We 
count that as not important. And God says, I want you to be faithful with me because watch what I can do. Look at me. Watch what I could do with someone who's faithful to me. And so today's passage gives me a couple things to think about. Can we unpack that for a moment? This is God's word today. And here's what he talks about. In this passage we just read. Here's what he's saying. Number one, to not tithe is to rob God. To not tithe is to rob God. He said, oh, Pastor Tony, I have no income, so I can't tithe. Does that mean I'm robbing God? No. If you have no income, there's nothing to rob God about. College students, I've been there. I went to college, got no money. I barely could afford to walk across to the campus. If I have no income, I have nothing to tie. But when I do get something, am I generous with it? Because God is not looking at the numbers, zeros at the end of that. He's looking at the heart. That's why the woman who gave those two mites is so important to God. And so much that he would point her out. And when I look at the tithe, I look at it and I go, why is the tithe so important to God? Why? Because he has a mission to use it to fulfill his vision. He has a mission to use it to fulfill his vision. When I hold on to generosity and I hold on to things, you know whose vision I'm fulfilling? Mine. So I say, God, I want to I fund your mission. I want to be a part of that. But not only that, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of something bigger than me. You know, one of the things I love about freedom is that this church is so much bigger than me. It started with my wife and I having a vision six years ago for a body of believers, spirit-filled body of believers that said, you know what? We want to change the world. Oh, that's a big statement. How can we change the world? You know how we change the world? Obedience. We love God and we love people. And when we're done with that, we turn around and we love God and we love people. And when we're done with that, we'll turn around and we'll love God and we'll love people. That's how we change the world. So our motto is what? Love God. Love people. Change the world. How do we do that? In step-by-step obedience. That's how we do that. And that has to include our generosity and our giving. And I, I repented. As your pastor, not talking about this enough because it's a serious thing to rob God. And I want you to know something. This church is not after money. If you think we're after money, please hold on to your money. Do not give. If you feel like we're not doing proper things with your money, then come to the leadership and talk to us. We'll tell you exactly what we're doing. We have nothing to hide. We look around the body and we look at this building. When, when we moved into this building, this building was one big gym. Some of you knew what this building was years ago. It was a skating rink. On Friday night, you knew where to go. You knew freedom in a whole new way. Freedom came and rolls on your feet. And then years later, this building was a fitness place. And you were like, yes, yes, yes. No! And we translated to this facility that we have now. We look at... It's not a perfect building by any stretch, trust me. But it's a beautiful little place, huh? We look at the foyer and what God has done recently there and helped us. 100% donated. You know what we paid for? A gallon of paint. Come on, somebody. Some great things. 
So this is not so we can get a better coffee maker. Pastor Tony, you're talking about money so we can get a better coffee machine? By no stretch. So we could reach further. So more people could come to Jesus. So we could have clothes drives. So we can clothe the homeless, feed the hungry, and offer a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to somebody who's thirsty and looking for hope. Somebody know what I'm talking about, praise the Lord, in this place. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And so when we tithe and we give back to God, we're saying, I fund your vision. I fund your mission. I fund what you're doing, God. The work of the ministry has always been funded by people's generosity from day one. They, they, in fact, we look at the New Testament and the apostles, they came together and, and the people that supported the apostles, they said, listen, we have to raise the money so the apostles could focus on what? The word of God and prayer. Those people's giving that supported the mission of the church. And I'm telling you what, the church didn't lack anything. They turned the world upside down. Why? Because they cared about each other. There's the unity and they loved the world. There's the outward outreach. And that's what we believe here at Freedom. That we would love God, we would love people, and we change the world. So some of us may go, well, Pastor Tony, the law, that's the law. Tithing is the law. That's Old Testament. Well, did you know that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law? He came to fulfill it. So do we throw out the Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments. Completely out the window, right? That's what we're doing. That's part of the law. What I'm saying to you today is that we're no longer under the penalty of the law. We still have the law and the commands of God, but we're no longer under the penalty. We're under the grace of Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for your sin, my sin, your neighbor's sin. Somebody pointed at your neighbor. Your sin, your sin, my sin. We all sin. Right? So... We're all in the same boat. Ain't nobody less than or greater than. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. So we realize that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And what does that mean? That means that we're no longer under the penalty of the law, but there's still a command to follow. And Jesus made it very clear. And Matthew 23 23, and I'll get there in a second. But let's look for a moment before we get to that. We look at the Genesis account. Because Matthew 5, 17 says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, right? If we look at Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel brought their offering. One brought the first fruit of the fat, of the best of what he had. He brought an offering to God. And, and then there was Cain, who brought a little bit of the leftover of the fruit. And he gave when he was ready to give. Instead of saying, God is first. The Bible is very clear that God did not honor Cain's offering, but he did honor Abel's. Why? Because he gave a generous portion to his God. He said, God, you're first. It's not about... It's not about necessarily just what he gave. It's not about the number or the value of it. It's about the fact that his heart was about, Lord, I want to give you my best. You follow? I'm telling you, give the best of whatever it is that you have. Your money, your minutes, and your, and your material. Give the best to God. And however that looks to you, for some it may look like more than others. But at the end of the day, it's about what you give to God out of a cheerful heart. 
That's generosity. And so we look at that and we think, why did, why was there such a difference between Cain and Abel's offering? It was a heart issue. And Hebrews makes it very clear to us that Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Because it was, it was a matter of, I want to honor him first in my life. Do you honor God after everything else is done? Because my friend, I don't know about you, but that's called leftovers. That'd be like you go to a restaurant and, and, and after you eat all your food, you kind of, uh, you get asked for a baggie. And then you, with the food that you didn't eat, you put it into a baggie. You roll it up and you give that as your tip to your waitress. Don't say I never gave you anything, waitress. What, is that acceptable to you? That's leftover tip. That is not acceptable to me. If I worked my tail off to bring you your Mountain Dew, come on, somebody. And all my waitresses said. It is the same thing when we give God leftovers. What we give God and when is a testament to our priorities. Second, those who tithe are blessed. Scripture talked about this. It used this word. Look, Listen, and some people misuse this. It used the word cursed. It used the word cursed. That doesn't mean that God will strike you down. Because some of us would have been dead already. Right? You're still alive. You're still here. That's not necessarily what that text talks about. It's to be cursed in this text means to be outside of the favor and the covering of God. What happens when you're outside of the covering and favor of God? Well, let me tell you exactly what happens. What happens in America and our culture today is that you go to bed every night worried about money. Americans who don't put their faith in God, they go to sleep at night, they worry, they concern themselves, they're in a constant state of tension, they're in a constant state of worry and panic, and God says, stop worrying and panicking, trust me. America has decided to go their own way. We'll rip God out of schools, we'll rip God out of courthouses, we'll rip God off the money sooner, sooner or later, we'll rip God out of everything, and then we want his favor, and we wonder, why do you trust in God? Haven't you seen what he's done to us? I will say, why have I trusted in you? Look what you allowed to happen. We, we blame God after we stripped him out of everything. God, you didn't, you didn't help me out. And God says, you never walked in the favor. You never participated in my vision. My vision wasn't for this. Hear me. Listen to what I'm telling you. What is happening in America today was not God's vision for America. What's happening in our world today, look at me, was not what God intended for this world today. These feelings are not for the followers of God. Tension, worry, concern, anxiety, fear, all these things. Here's the key. God does not want you to live in anxiety in a constant state of panic. He doesn't. Generosity. Friend, look at me. Generosity will free you from that. Generosity will free you from that. From the love of money. If we can just say, you know what? 
I care more about God's vision than mine. I'm going to give a little extra. I'm going to give a little extra time. I want to, I want to volunteer for this. I want to help with that. I want to give, I want to help my neighbor. You know what? It's not recorded in the, in the church, you know, uh, what you give your neighbor, but who cares about that? That's not what it's about. Right. I don't, who needs a tax write-off? I, I just want to be obedient to God. My neighbor needs groceries. Guess what? The biggest thing you could do for God is to represent God by hooking him up and just putting, knocking on the door, putting some groceries on the step and just walking away. You ain't getting a tax write off, but trust me, he's writing your name in his book and book of all the things you've ever done right. And when you love people in God's name, you're never wrong. As generosity goes far beyond money. And third thing that God says, is, test me. When you said you would walk with him in obedience, his blessings are available to you. But only what you release will gather interest. Only what you release does he bless. So you say, pastor, do I give out of my net or my gross? Then I ask, which part of it do you want him to bless? Listen, it's been said that it's a lot easier for most people to give 18% to MasterCard and Visa. What's in your wallet? We're quicker to give to MasterCard and Visa and give up our 18%. We kind of like, I don't like it, but it's part of life. But we grovel and worry and complain about 10% to God. Which, by the way, is a starting point. We don't stop and end there. Generosity begins after that 10%. We just give to God that 10%. Whatever we feel like we want to be able to give, I want to, I got a little extra. God has blessed me. I want to give a little extra, whatever that looks like. Man, there are people, missionaries across the globe that have been blessed because of your extra. Lives that have been changed. Literally thousands of of people in Cuba have been blessed over the six years that we provided ministry there. There's some places I can't mention because we even now we're streaming online. There's places that I can't mention in other parts of the world. Listen to me, not just here locally while we do that. There's parts of the world that have been affected by your giving. And people have been touched because of that. This church, before we had a building, we built two buildings in Cuba. Before we had a building here, we built two churches. Why? Because we were sowing seed for believing God for this one. We said, God, we don't have a building, but shoot, if we could help fund somebody else have a building. I could have I easily said, you know what? I don't want to give to this God because I got to take care of our own house first. We weren't going to be able to do build a building for that price anyway. At the time, it was $1,500 to build a building, church building in Cuba. So in our first year, within our first year, I said, let's go, let's build two buildings in Cuba. We raised $3,000 in a few months. And we said, we want to give to Cuba and we want to build churches. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about him, his vision. We tested him. We said, God, we will give to your work because it's about you. It's not about my closed fist. It's about my open hand. And so Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You tithe and mint and dill and cumin, but neglected the weightier things of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. You know what he's saying? He says, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You know what he's saying here? You tithe, but you don't love. You can't do that. You do both. You do one and you do the other. 
People want to say tithing is not a New Testament principle. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus said it. And we look at Luke and he repeated it. It was recorded in Luke as well. We look at Luke chapter 11, verse 42. It was recorded the same thing. And then tithing was mentioned as a practice in Luke 18 as well, where he says, I give my tithe. And so we look at it. It was a New Testament principle. But what we've become is is a people that say this is just, you know, an Old Testament thing. We don't want to be tied down to that. Listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. God is looking for open-handed people that are willing to say, God, I want to be generous more than I can tell you. You need to be faithful to what God has called you to be faithful to. So allow me to illustrate this point like this for a moment, if you would. Mordecai, come on up here, buddy. Everybody say hi to Mordecai for a second. This is Mordecai. Mordecai, we furnished him with a whole dollar. He has in his hand a whole dollar. Now, Mordecai, I want you to hold on to that for a moment and hold on to it tight. Because he's, ex- he's showing the example of what many people do when they live their lives. They live their lives in such a way that they live closed handed. And God says, I got, I got so much for you. And here I have a, a whole a jar full of dimes. And this is, this is totaling way over $40 in dimes here. And so we have this situation. And so we go, you know, we hold on to this. And God is like, I want to pour out blessings. I want to pour out. No, no, no. I don't want to receive it. I want to hold on to what I have here. No, but God is like, I want to give you so much more. But you, you have a closed handed approach. And God is like, I want to bless you. Like, no, 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 no. I want to feel secure. I want to feel secure in what I have. So let me have what I have. And so I'm going to pour out a blessing. God's like, no, I can't. You're not receiving it. But what if? What if we opened our hands and we said, God, take whatever's yours. And God says, I'll take this. And we go, that hurts so bad. But then God says, no, 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 no. But I'll give to you so you can give to others. I'll give to you so you can give to others. But I'll keep giving to you. I'll keep giving so you can give to others. There's room. There's plenty of room. I'll give to you so you can. But, but I hold on to this. No, I'll give to you so you can give to others. And so I give to you so you can give to others. And there's so much to give. There's so much opportunity. And there's so much to go. And we can change people's lives. And there's so much to give. Why? Because we gave this up. Somebody decided to open their hands. And God says, I don't just own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own the hills as well. And so we can decide. You know what? There's a lot of these in here. There's only one of these. And while we look at this as bigger than this, there's power and numbers and favor. The favor of God is more than you could ever imagine. But... So many people are not willing to give this up so God can flow in their lives. And we look at it and we go, but I'm giving up so much. God says, you have no idea. Generosity, friends, look look at me. Generosity goes far beyond what's in your hands. It's about what you can release that makes the difference. See, legacy is not built on what we hold on to. Legacy is built on what we release. Impact. It's not about what we've gained. It's about what we've given. How many know what I'm talking about today? Thank you, brother. Give it up for my brother real quick here. So 
generosity is simply this. And I found as I close here, there's four approaches that we could have toward generosity. If you could look at the screen for a moment. First approach is the got to give approach. The got to give approach. That comes out of obligation. I feel obligated to give. That's not a cheerful giver. I got to give. Second one is that if you don't, then we won't approach. If you don't give, our lights can shut off at any moment. If you don't give, we won't have heat. Please give. What? Listen, I understand. Listen, it takes resources to make it happen, but that's not the case here either. God is not looking for that approach. Then there's the give to get approach, which has come to be very popular over the last few years. The, the prosperity idea that if I give this, God will you send your thousand dollar gift right now. And I give to get. Friends, there are so many people that gave that never got back because God wasn't in that mission. But when God is in it, trust me, there's multiplication in the future. You don't give to get. I hope your focus is more on number four. You don't give to get. You get to give. In your life, you get to invest in people. You get to serve in ministry. You get to give to God. And friend, I hope that you, like me, take number four as my approach to giving. You say, well, Pastor Tony, you spent the last however many minutes talking about tithe. And that's his. Yeah. That's God's word. That's not me. What I'm saying is beyond that, the first tenth is God's. We return that to his. That's his. I'm not giving anything. But after that, what are you, what are you giving generously? I want you to understand something. The generosity was God's idea. And the big idea is simply this. The church awakened to the Father's generous heart can exercise a profound impact to help the brokenhearted in our world today. It's a mouthful, I know. But basically, everything you give to the right mission where God is in it. How many sense God is in this? I don't know about you, but I feel like God is in this thing here. And if you don't feel like God is in this, don't give to this work. And if you're a visitor here this morning, don't feel pressured to give. While we will receive that, absolutely. You want to give? That's fine. But don't feel pressured. The first time, second time, this is not your church home. You have a church home. Listen to me. Your tithe don't belong here if this is not your church home. I don't know how many pastors you know would say that, but this one does. Your tithe does not belong to a visiting church. And your tithe does not belong to the evangelist on TV. Your tithe belongs where you go and you're serving and that's your home church. I said that as an evangelist as well. People come up to me and be like, Pastor, I love what you're doing. Can I just send you my tithe? Because I'm struggling with this church right now. And I say, no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see that as biblical either. True story. People want it. I'm like, I don't believe that. God will bless you for that. If this is your home church, you give here. Anything beyond your, your tithe. You want to get to the, to the ministry, God bless you with that. But don't give me your tithe. 
you are robbing the storehouse. Whoever you call church, wherever you call your home, you give there, not here. If this is your home church, then you give here. If you're a guest, you don't have to give. But understand something as I ushers prepare here today. I want to pray a prayer before we do this. Because I want you to understand something. Giving is an act of worship. We've always believed that. Giving is an act of worship just as much as singing and helping people. Those things are act of worship. Giving is the same. So, before we give here today, I want to invite you to pray with me. Can you do that? Lord, thank you so much for the giver and the gift. But Lord, we want to take a moment and we want to say thank you for impacting the world through us. Thank you for impacting the world through us. We ask you in Jesus' name that you would give us a generous heart that we would pray and seek and be a people that don't just give generously out of money just to write a check and get people off our back. No, no, God. That we will give of our time generously. Our materials generously. Serving you generously as well. Help us to disciple and be discipled generously. That our focus may be the heart, not the bottom line. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said...